the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Heavenly Father, may those who preach and teach in the realm of Christendom this most holy of all weeks, and may the millions who meditate upon your death and resurrection in these next seven days, may the preaching be acceptable in your sight, may the meditations of the heart be blessed by your Holy Spirit. And may we leave this Holy Week changed to a large degree or to a small degree. May we be different a week from now than we are today because of your Holy Spirit's work. In our Savior's name, amen. It was 100 years ago, almost to the year, that two gentlemen who were geologists After years of planning, they finally reached the sealed doorway to the tomb of a pharaoh. Pharaoh's name was Tutankhamun, King Tut. He had been dead for 3,300 years. And when the two geologists, Carnivon and Carter, found their way into that sacred place, they both wrote in their diaries, that there was silence for the course of an hour as they stood in the presence of that dead king. They were not silent because of all the gold and silver of antiquities surrounding uh, that mummy. They were silent because they felt they were standing in the presence of a dead king and must do him reverence. Those of the expedition who came in an hour later, they too were transfixed into a great silence. And their reason was the same. They were in the presence of a king who had not been seen for 3,300 years. It begs the question, should we be shocked into silence whenever we enter the presence of God? When we open up the Bible, when we're in a small group, when the choir is practicing, when we enter a sanctuary, ought there be an episode like Moses where we take off our sandals? Ought there be an episode like there was for the geologists where we just stand in complete silence? And I've often thought, how will it be when we get to heaven? when we stand in the presence of God for the very first time, where there will there be absolute silence? Will we know not what to say? Will we be in such awe of standing in the presence of God and of His Son Jesus, there shall not come a word out of our mouth? I think that shall not be the case, because in the presence of God... There is continual praise. 
I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, angels never stopped singing. Uh, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. I don't know if they take turns. Uh, with 10,000, 10,000 angels, I don't know if they take turns singing in the presence of God. But I dare say that when we stand in His presence, the praise that shall come forth will be unspeakable. When a choir is sung or played, there's a part of us that wants to applaud. When we stand in the presence of something that has touched our soul or spirit, we shout out our hurrahs. When we stand in the presence of our Lord and Savior, and behind Him to the right and the left are loved ones who have gone before us, the silence will be a brief one, and then the praise will be unending. I want to speak today about the glory of the King. The little village is known as Bethphage. It is not famous like Jerusalem or Bethany. It's not famous like the courtyard. It's not famous like the judgment hall of Pilate. It's not famous like the Mount of Olives or the Garden of Gethsemane places that we visited during these six weeks. Bethphage is mentioned only one time in the Bible. Not in the Old Testament at all. Only once in the New Testament. Pastor Shower read its name and its purpose today. It was from Bethphage that Jesus came down the Mount of Olives, the three quarters of a mile, until he comes into the bowels of the city of Jerusalem. The glory of the king. Bruce Barton wrote a book about Jesus. He titled it, The Man Nobody Knows. He was taking it from John 1, uh, verse 11. Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, he gave the power to become the children of God. From that verse, he takes the title, The Man Who Nobody Knows. He was right, but not altogether is the person of Jesus so shrouded in mystery that he must remain forever within the clouds of uncertainty. 1 Corinthians 2, 7, the Apostle Paul writes, We would speak to you about God's secret wisdom. That's what he calls Jesus. That's what he calls the cross and the empty tomb. We would speak to you about God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden but that God intended for our glory even before the beginning of time. And then he said, the rulers of this age did not understand God's wisdom, or they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Do you know him? The rulers of that age crucified him because they didn't know him. Do you know him? The people who, when he entered the city of Jerusalem, 30,000 strong, saying uh, Hosanna to the king, five days later paid off by the chief priests, scribes, and Pharisees, they are chanting different words, crucify him. They didn't know him. 
The disciples who swore that they would die rather than leave him, two hours later, they are leaving him, thank you, because they didn't know him. Not until Pentecost came, not until the Holy Spirit came, and then they knew him indelibly. When Jesus was speaking about John the Baptist, John the Baptist questioning whether Jesus was the Messiah, all these people following you, and then Jesus said, go back and tell John the lame are healed and the deaf hear and the blind see and the crippled walk and the kingdom is preached. He said about John, no greater person ever born than John. And then he said, but you are greater than John. Why are we greater than John? Because John did not see his death on the cross. And John never saw his resurrection from the dead. We have. We know him. Norman Langford, likewise a Christian, he wrote a book titled, The King Nobody Wanted. He was also right, but not altogether is the person of that king so unapproachable? Exodus thirty-three twenty. no one can see the face of God and live. Is the presence of that king so unapproachable that none might want to know him or want to have him? The answer is no. We hunger for him. If you have ever said in your lifetime, who could ever go through this without God, then you know him. If you have ever let fear or worry completely overwhelm you, not for a day or two, but let's try months and years, and you come to him and he does what David says, he stills the waters, he makes brown pastures green, he restores peace to your soul. If it's ever happened to you but one time, then you know him. If you've ever been thirsty because his promises never really got through to your heart, and there came a time or a moment, a Red Sea time in your life, and all of a sudden, perhaps for the first time ever, a verse in the Bible roared forth. And you wanted to tattoo it on your hands or your arms or your shoulders. Because all of a sudden that verse you had seen a thousand times came alive with the life the Holy Spirit can bring to a verse. If it's ever happened to you, then you know him. How many times in your life has some situation happened that you sit back and smile and you say, it had to been God. A phone call at the right time, some money in the mail at the right time. A job situation at the right time. A doctor saying your cancer's in remission. If it's ever happened to you and you've said, that has to be God then you know him. You hunger for him, you thirst for him, you're naked if you don't have him. You're sick and in all sorts of prisons if you don't know him. 
But if he brings that peace, the Spirit has brought to you the faith in this King of kings and Lord of lords. We're not the first to ask the question, who is this king? David asked the question, Psalm 24, who is the king of glory? 900 years before the cross. David writes, who is this king of glory? And he gives the answer in the next verse. He's the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. The king uh, is coming. And the king came. 33 900 years later, it's wise men. They are saying to King Herod, Where is the king born king of the Jews? They're in Bethlehem. And when the wise men stand in front of that babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, they knew who the king was. And they present him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Thirty years went by. It's six months before the cross. Jesus says to his disciples, Who do the people think I am? Peter said, Some say Elijah. Some say the prophet. He said, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you know him? And to know him is everything. The year was 2011. John had been in heaven for three years. Connie and I decided to take a trip to England to get away from the grief. That never works. We were on the tour for a week's time, a bus tour. Got to know some of the people on the tour with us. It's the very last night, and we're at a supper together. And sitting across from me is a doctor from India. He had been on the tour. He was the energy. He was the life of the party. He made everyone laugh. As he sat across the table from me, he said, I've heard that your son died. And I'm so sorry to hear that. I said, that's true. He asked a strange question then. He said, what do you believe about your son? I said, I believe my son is in heaven. And I believe every morning I wake up, it is one day closer to seeing him again. He said to me then, my father died a year ago. I'm sure the passing of a son is far more difficult than the passing of a father, but I grieve him every day. I said to him, what do you believe about your father? He said, my father was a good man, so he is reincarnated as another person. I said, if he had been a bad man, how would he have been reincarnated? He said, he would have been a stone or a tree or a rock. I said, if you pass by an individual who was reincarnated as your father, would you have some feeling? Would you know that was your father? He said, no. I will never see my father again. And then he said, rather emotionally, 
He said, I wish I had your faith. I know that you know you will see your son again. I wish I could know that about my father. I said, you can, the Bible. He said to me, after 400 years of Buddhism being in our family, I could never break away. And then he looked down and he said it to himself. I wish I had your faith. I wish I knew him. As we start the holiest week we'll ever have in our life, question is, do you know him? Twenty-two will be confirmed this afternoon. All twenty-two are baptized. Pastor Schauer and I have had the honor of baptizing many of them. And when they were baptized, their parents took this vow. Do acknowledge that the most important thing your child will ever have is a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you vow that the most important thing your child will ever have is to know Him? And every parent and every sponsor out of the 1,700 baptisms that have been done, they have all answered the same way. The most important thing my child will ever have is to know him, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In our Savior's name, amen. Heavenly Father, Jesus said to his disciples shortly before he died, the Holy Spirit will come, the Counselor, he will teach you all things and will bring to you a remembrance of everything I've done. He will bring you an understanding. And when the Holy Spirit has come, then you will know me. And when you know me, you'll have my peace, which passes all human understanding. And when you know me, your one desire will be to share me with anyone else that comes across your path. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the other ends of the earth. Lord, if we know this divine physician and Savior, may we make a vow to you that we will share him with others. In our Savior's name, amen.